0: Glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your on ready? I came like out the whole line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump the lead. Golly. Only they tackle a 40 the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> I can. <laughs> What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. I am running solo today, so we'll be talking some college football and other stuff, but... As always, we talk about this podcast as a group of a ton of great other podcasts as well, including Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. Your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. You can find all of these podcasts easily accessible on FullTimeFantasy.com. Again, as I stated just a minute ago, for today's episode, it'll be me by myself for the first part of the episode. We'll be talking some college football. Uh, I I had a full episode done last week, obviously with the whole uh, audio issues. Some of you probably heard if you listened to Monday's episode that was going on last week as well. That's why we kind of canceled the Thursday and Friday podcast. Uh, It popped up on Wednesday when I was trying to do the college football podcast, so it's been a couple weeks Uh, We're going to go in and talk about some of the bigger games that have happened over the past couple weeks. Luckily for us, of those of us that are college football fans, there have not been that many. Uh, So we'll break down some of those, preview some of the upcoming matchups, and then talk about the top players at each position. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25 and Apple will go to the ground at the 32 and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone touchdown touchdown, Alabama! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the College Football Mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for minutes... Watson takes a snap, rolls wide, looks at the end zone. Hunter and got it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clipson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's up to the races. Nobody will catch him. Right, so as I was saying, I mean, really... I don't know if it's lucky, yes or not, because as someone who loves college football, I really like watching a lot of good games, and, and we really haven't gotten a lot of those this year, and it, it honestly kind of sucks. You you want to see good games, and we've had some surprising ones in the in the UN, uh, UNC Clemson game this past weekend. Uh, Georgia-Notre Dame a couple weekends ago actually turned out to be a good game, as well as uh, Texas and Oklahoma State, which I thought it would be a closer game, but uh, a lot of UT fans thought they, they might have had that one in the bag. Actually ended up being a good game. We really have not seen, though, a lot of really good games. Go over some of the big ones that have happened here lately. Obviously, last weekend's primetime game, Ohio State versus Nebraska, ended up just being a a flat-out butt-whooping for Ohio State, and they have looked amazing. And this is coming from someone who, in all honesty, was a little worried about them being a Buckeyes fan. Uh, You know, I'm big on Justin Fields. I've liked him a lot, yeah, uh, obviously got kind of unseated there at Georgia when Jake Fromm got named the named the starting quarterback. Him and Jacob Eason, who's another quarterback who's been doing really good for Washington these past couple weeks. Uh, but I wasn't sure what he would be like coming over here. Obviously, Ryan Day, the new head coach, you know, they, the defense was really bad last year. Got a couple of good wide receivers and Victor and K.J. Hill. Dobbins looked really good freshman season, but not so good last year. So there was, was a lot of questions, uh, but they have really kind of answered the bell here. So, again, as I was talking about, uh, a real butt whooping for Nebraska, who had a good defense. 48-7. Fields just phenomenal in this game. Same with Dobbins. Uh, we saw Matt go off the wide receiver, uh, Austin Mack senior. He had a good game here. We've seen him kind of pop up here and there for the Buckeyes. So all in an easy game for them. And then Adrian Martinez, who's a quarterback that I was really high on coming in this year. You know, I've talked about it many a times uh, and he was, he was on a poll for PFF college uh, that he was actually the fifth best odds maker uh, to win the Heisman this year. That is likely not going to happen anymore. A really bad game here against this Ohio State Buckeyes defense. Just went 8 for 17, 47 yards, 3 interceptions, but did get eighteen. I'm sorry, 81 yards on the ground with 15 carries. So just, um, I mean, again, I don't want to say a bad game. No, I do want to say a bad game. It was. It was a bad game. We really have not had that many good games, and, and, and it is frustrating. So going back into Week 4, One of the big. Actually, I take that back. I'm. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Let's stay in week five first and continue. We'll move backwards. Obviously, Notre Dame beating Virginia. That was a good game, thirty five to twenty for Notre Dame. Good to see them win that one. Uh, Obviously, bouncing back after the Georgia loss, which we'll talk about when we get to week four. That was a big one for them. Wisconsin has continued to roll they beat Northwest in 24 to 15 Michigan gets a big bounce back game against Rutgers winning 52 to nothing after getting beat by Wisconsin though looks like a blowout closer than many people I think than this the, the box score indicates and we'll talk about that when we get to week four as well Clemson this was a big one here so they win 21 to 20 against UNC but they probably shouldn't have so Head coach Mac Brown goes for a two-point conversion and a horrible play call, if I do say so myself again. I'm not a head coach, so I guess I can't criticize the play calling, but I'm going to do it anyway. It was a horrible play call. I mean, a lot of people say you got to take the points out. I like the guts for going for the two points right there and trying to get the win, um, but just the, the, the play call I thought was bad, so they end up losing it. And Clemson has just not looked like the same team as they did last year. I don't know if it's just kind of like a – if it has something to do with kind of like the national championship bring down or or something like that, I really don't know how to categorize it. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think looks as bad as other people. Uh, Again, it is kind of hard to live up to the hype and performance that he he put out in his freshman season I mean it was just a great season one of the better seasons you're going to see in college football altogether it's hard to replicate that like in all honesty you now I could honestly say the same thing right now uh, about Justin Fields because he has just been phenomenal so far this season if he continues at this pace it's gonna be really hard to live up to that in his uh his junior year next year and, and a chance to come out he'll, he'll be in Trevor Lawrence's draft class more than likely Uh, So I'm not as down on Lawrence as other people, but definitely a big, um, a big scare for them. And they don't have many other threats on the schedule, but I think this hurt them. They did obviously drop down as well uh, in the, uh, in the the overall standings. They're not the number one team anymore. That went to Alabama. We'll talk, we'll give you the top, uh, you know, 10 teams here in a little bit, or at least the top guys that I think have a chance to, to possibly make it in the playoffs, depending on how the rest of the season goes. So, the rest of the games that were of importance here in Week 5, Washington getting a win over USC, 28-14. I think that's a big deal because that keeps them at 4-1. and one. Obviously, Jacob Eason has been playing big. You, know, they need, you need them, Utah, and Oregon to all kind of pretty much keep playing really good with that one loss and, and see what happens in the other conferences because if they want a chance to make it in, they're going to have to keep all three of those teams winning uh, and going. Obviously, they play each other here eventually, and we'll play in the Pac-12 Championship, one of them versus Utah. Uh, and Utah keeps rolling here against Washington. And State winning 38 13. Going back to week four, that was when Utah lost to USC. That was a big deal because a lot of people felt like they needed Utah to stay undefeated and either beat Oregon or Washington or have them beat Utah and that kind of be their their big game to kind of kick them into the playoffs. I still think they all have a chance, but they're going to need some help now from some of the outside conferences. Obviously, the week four big matchup was Notre Dame, Georgia. Georgia wins the 23 17 victory. It was a better game than we all thought, and I really thought—I really said that. I thought Notre Dame had a chance to stay in it. Uh, from as safe as he plays, made a couple big plays in that game, which is what you want to see out of him—a guy who's likely going to come out this year. Uh, outplayed Ian Book just enough to get them that win, so so they're going to keep on rolling. Uh, LSU destroys Vanderbilt, sixty-six to thirty-eight. They have just been on fire, and we'll get to obviously their big win here that was uh, against UT. Because I still have yet to talk about the last episode I did was actually be previewing that game, and I've yet to do any college football talk since then. Michigan lost to Wisconsin. This was the 11-13 matchup two weeks ago. Wisconsin winning thirty five to fourteen again. This was a the it, the, the score will, does not really represent the the game. Wisconsin went for it twice on fourth down in the in the first half. I actually believe actually in the first quarter. They did complete it, and they ended up going and scoring. There was a fumble. Uh, you know, Shea Patterson comes out of the game. Then McCaffrey gets knocked out of the game at quarterback. And overall, it was a really bad game for Michigan. Uh, they didn't, in my opinion, look like they deserved to beat Wisconsin, but I feel like the score doesn't really show how close the game was for a long time. Another big game that was in that weekend was Auburn versus Texas A&M. Auburn coming out with a 28-20 victory there. Texas A&M kind of making a big charge at the end uh, to to try and win that, but they did not. I think that's good for Auburn. They remain undefeated but have a tough, tough schedule ahead of them, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. Uh, Oregon beat Stanford, which was good for Oregon. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Texas-Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas went up, got up pretty big on not I should say big, but got up a couple scores on Oklahoma state. They ended up coming back there at the end, uh, kind of making a push for it. That's good, big for Texas to keep winning. Cause right now their only loss comes from that LSU game, which was, uh, was one of the best games I've seen so far this college season. That was all the way back in week two, which again, unfortunately was the last time I was able to do a, a college football podcast to talk about LSU 145 two thirty eight. Um, so for me, the biggest thing with this game before we move on to to moving forward, I think Texas should have taken the points and, and, and Tom Herman. Now, some of you might say, "Oh, that that that's kind of hindsight being twenty twenty and all," but. Anybody who, who knows me, I'm in a group chat with a couple of UT guys, and, and you could ask them, and they'd tell you, I said it right when it happened. I was like, man, what do you guys think? I would have taken the points. Now, I know it's easy to look back and say, well, they should have had that one touchdown because Ingram dropped it. You're right. It was wide open. He dropped it, so you know, maybe it's a different game at that point. I still think you should take the points. I mean, that was six points right there alone. At that point, you're down one point in the game, and who knows how that might change things going down with LSU or Texas at that point in time. Uh, I'm always one of those guys who, who's all about taking the points. I get the aggressiveness from Tom Herman in that in that uh situation, though, and really kind of wanting to put it on LSU early and try and see if they can get him buried down. But in all honesty, too, that was Joe Burrow's come-out game. That dude has looked fantastic if he is not moving up your boards as a college quarterback I don't know what is wrong with you Uh, again a guy who was at Ohio State left transferred out when Dwayne Haskins got named the starter last year went to LSU struggled last year some of it I think was obviously him coming down there trying to learn a whole new play calling group or a whole new play all new play calls and all that other stuff. And then they bring in a more offensive-minded uh, offensive coordinator this year as well, Ed Orgeron does, and and it looks phenomenal. He obviously has great wide receivers to help him out too. We'll talk about both those guys because they're in my top ten as well moving forward. But Joe Burrow, he, he's definitely jumped up my board item outside the top 10. I mean, if you go back and look at the article I put out for Dynasty Nerds earlier this offseason, he wasn't even in my top 13. I didn't even have him mentioned as a possible top 10 candidate. Uh, he's up there in my top five now. Uh, he's proven it. He's going to continue proving it. I think LSU moving forward, uh, has a really interesting schedule and I'm excited to see what they do. Especially with Joe Burrow, because I think they can really kind of upset the apple cart here and, and change things around. So I talked about the rankings where we're going into Week Six this weekend. Uh, a couple big matchups, and we'll, we're not really big matchups. There's two ones that are going to be key for me. Uh, so we'll touch on the rankings first before we get to that point. Alabama, as I said, moved up to one. Clemson dropped down to two. You have Georgia at three. Ohio State at four. So those would be the four in the playoffs right now. Obviously LSU still has a chance, and they're going to play Georgia at some point. Whether that's, um, I mean, likely going to be in the, um, my goodness, why am I, why am I not thinking of this correctly in the SEC championship game? I don't know why I was going to say the LSU championship game because LSU is the school. So if they keep winning out, obviously they do have Bama later on this season, which will be a tough game, obviously. If they beat Bama, they're going to end up likely playing Georgia uh, for the SEC Championship game. So I think that's going to separate one of those two. Oklahoma is at 6. Obviously, if they keep winning, I think they're going to be in because they're going to go undefeated. Though I do think Texas is going to have something to say about that. Texas is down at 11, and, and this is key. This is what I was talking about with the Pac-12. If, say, Texas beats Oklahoma, at some point in time, this, uh, when they play each other here, I think it's actually in two weeks, which is... Just crazy. Like, we've got, yeah, so they've got West Virginia this week and then Oklahoma on the 12th. So you're looking at next weekend, a huge game for Texas and obviously Oklahoma. Say Texas is able to pull off the upset in that. If they end up playing each other again for the – um for the big 12 championship game and say it goes one way or the other. Uh, see, I don't know if, if, if Texas wins again, they're probably going to get in. If Oklahoma wins, I think, I don't know. I really feel like one of these teams should have a shot to get in, but, uh, but I could be wrong. It, depending on who wins the, if Texas wins and then maybe they win again, I think Texas is probably going to get in. So maybe the PAC 12 actually doesn't have a chance. I still want to ho- I still hope they do. Cause I'd love to see, Oregon, or possibly Washington get in there. Uh, but let's keep going on. Auburn is at 7. They're right behind Oklahoma. And, and this one's going to be hard for them, in my opinion. They obviously have a big matchup this week against Florida. Then in two weeks after that, they have LSU – then oh, two weeks after that, they have Georgia. And then the last game of the, of the year, they have the Iron Bowl against Alabama. I cannot see them going through that gauntlet and winning every single game. If they do, they're in. I, I mean, I don't see any other way that they're not. They obviously still would have to win the SEC championship game, but I gotta say that they're likely going to be in. If they, if they run that and then win the SEC championship, that's still going to knock out Georgia out of the top four and Alabama, actually. So then you're going to have two, one more team moving up there. With, uh, with Auburn taking over, so again, that'd probably be Texas, Oklahoma, depending on how it plays out, or a Pac-12 team. What's also hurting the Pac-12 is their highest rated team right now is Oregon at 13. They don't really have, I mean, they have Washington in two weeks, I'm sorry, three weeks, so that's going to be the big game for them. If they win that, that's going to knock Washington out, and then they got to hope Utah stays undefeated and and play them in the Pac-12 championship game. That's really their only shot. If Utah loses at any point, or obviously if they if they lose or Washington loses again before that point, and they're all going in with two losses. There's no shot that they have. And in my opinion, there's no shot they have a chance to get in. So I would say almost all of their hopes are riding on Oregon right now. You've got Iowa, who's a team that I think is really interesting at 14. Um, We'll talk about them in a minute because they have a big matchup this week. That was my pick uh, to win in the Big Ten West and then obviously come out and end up playing Ohio State for the Big Ten Championship. We'll see if that happens. Again, Michigan this week, Penn State next week, then Wisconsin in three weeks. So they've got a pretty tough schedule ahead of them as well, but I really like this Iowa team and Nate Stanley. That really kind of rounds up. I'll give you out the rest of the teams. Wisconsin at 8, Notre Dame at 9, Florida at 10. So, Notre Dame, I don't see them getting in. Uh, they don't really have any uh, any really of substance on their schedule. They do get Michigan in a couple weeks, but if Michigan loses again to uh, if Michigan loses to Iowa this week, that's not going to be a good win at all for them. USC is down. Virginia Tech, Duke, Navy, Boston College, Stanford. So, I really kind of feel like Notre Dame is out of it with that loss to Georgia. Unfortunately, uh, And a lot of people talk about them not having a bowl game maybe if they had a bowl game going in and beating somebody else that's impressive would have a chance to jump them up I feel like they with that one loss though they're already out of it Florida another team that's up there that's undefeated right at 10 Uh, but they have a tough schedule as I was just talking about they got Auburn this week which should be a good game then LSU after that Georgia in a couple weeks so three really good games I don't think Florida survives all that I, I don't really like this team I think they're a tad bit overrated a good Fairly good defense and offense, but they've not really played anybody up till this point. They're all rated very high, but I mean, if you go back and look at it, Miami, who has not been good this year, then they had UT Martin, Kentucky, Tennessee, Towson. So they have not really played anybody uh, worth talking about. So I'm not really sold on Florida being a, a, a true contender, and that will take us into Week Five. We eating all day, bro. <laughs> i hitting you every time. Every time you come as where well, I'm going to hit you. Y'all not going to be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. So we have a couple good matchups here in week five that I'm actually excited to watch. I'm sorry, week six. I don't know why I keep saying week five. It is week six. They count, you know, the whole week zero crap. That technically does count as week one of the college football season. So we are in week six. There's two really good matchups for me here. We'll start with the Florida one that we were just talking about. Florida Auburn. So Auburn is projected to win this one by 53%. So projected to be a close game. Uh, Felipe Franks has obviously been out. He, he did the, I can't remember what it was that he did, a broken ankle or dislocated ankle. Regardless, he's out. He is not going to be playing for them. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, I'm not sure if he will come out this year. I think there's a better chance he probably comes back uh, and, and tries to play next year, especially with that injury. Uh, you, you don't want to try and enter the NFL, especially after questionable uh, i would say questionable talents to begin with or some people have a lot of questions on him so you'll have Kyle Trask who's a junior playing and i thought he's looked actually really good so far i do think he has he he can put up some numbers against auburn i think this will be a closer game uh, obviously the 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 stats think so too with auburn only getting a 53% chance to win it here Auburn leading out here with Bo Nix. Very good defense. They've got um, Gus Malzon calling plays. I'm going to take Auburn to win the game. I, I do think that they will end up winning it, but definitely worthwhile game to watch in the early afternoon. Slate should start at 2.30 Central time. Uh, definitely one of the better games on the docket for the weekend. Let's see here. What else? The, the late night game, I just I don't think it's going to be that much of a game. Of course, I say that, and I'm going to end up eating my words on that. So let's start with the early morning game, which not going to lie. I'm really kind of surprised with the way that it's playing out here. So, you have number 14 Iowa and number 19 Michigan. Iowa currently undefeated, Michigan at 3 and 1. This one's got Michigan projected to win by 62%. That's a little crazy to me. I like this Iowa team. Again, I picked them to win the Big Ten West. I, I really think this is going to be a good team. They have not really been in any games. The closest game they've been in is Iowa. Uh, oh, my God, Iowa. They are Iowa versus Miami of Ohio 38-14. They blew out Rutgers. They they did get the one-point win against Iowa State, so, I mean, 18-17, uh, but then beat out Middle Tennessee. This is going to be their first First true set test, and then they have another one right after it. Penn State, Penn State always, uh, you know, plays in the Big Ten. Tough. I'm I'm trusting in Nate Stanley, and this is an 11 o'clock Central Time game, so it's one of the first ones on the docket. I would turn it on. You're going to see a guy who's right up there at the top of this class. I, I would say he's behind Burrow now with everything we've seen out of him. Obviously, we we're just talking about how good he's looked for LSU. But I think Stanley's going to be a great quarterback. Uh, He's a great quarterback prospect. Senior, 6'4, 243, 965 yards so far this year, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. I I like what I've seen out of him. I think that he'll be able to get, um, he'll be able to put up some points here against this Michigan defense. I think they've got a really good shot to win it. You've got Sargent, the running back, has had a fairly good. I wouldn't say good. He's had a decent season so far, 299 yards, two touchdowns, 5.5 average on 54 attempts. So I do think Iowa has a chance to get in this Michigan team, and I'm actually going to pick them for the upset. I really like Iowa. I like where they're going. And then the late night game, as I talked about, I don't think it's going to be that good of a game. Uh, the stats are bearing it out that Ohio State, it's Ohio State versus Michigan. It's a 630 game. Again, it's, not a lot of great games on the schedule, kind of like last week with, that's why you got, you get Ohio State Nebraska as the, the primetime game. Same thing here, Michigan State because they're known to be a good team. They already have a loss on this season. Um, They lost earlier in the year uh, to Arizona State. Herm Edwards, the fighting Herm Edwards there at Arizona State, 10-7. So, I mean, not a bad loss. They've been in every game, 40-31 Indiana, 31-10 Northwestern, 51-17 Western Michigan, 28-7 Tulsa. So they've been good, but 89% for Iowa State, and I feel like that's kind of right. I I don't see them stopping Justin Fields here. I I love Dobbins. The one thing I will say is Michigan State – Always seems to play Ohio State tough. I I can go back all the way to, I think it was the 2016 season. Ohio State had an even better team, in my opinion, than the team that won the national championship the year prior, the very first college football playoff national championship. And and they lost. Michigan State beat them in like a crappy weather game, a blocked field goal. Then the dude kicked, I think it was like a 30 or 40 yard field goal in the rain to win the game. Michigan State always comes out and they play Ohio State. It's a rival for them. They're not just going to lay over. It's going to be a tough game, but I do think Ohio State comes out victorious. All right, so that 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 pretty much breaks it down for for the preview of week 6. Like I said, not not a lot of great games on the docket. So right now I'm going to give you guys kind of my top players at, at the the big three positions. I haven't had a chance to really dive into tight ends right now, so we'll save that for next week. I'll I'll make sure to come back and do a podcast as well on next Wednesday. Just going to give you my top 10 players at each position. We're going to start at quarterback and number 1 has got to be Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama. Junior, so he's going to come out in the draft likely this year. Left-handed kid as well, so very, in- very interesting thought there because not a lot of left-handed quarterbacks have succeeded in the NFL. Uh, he has got 113 passes of 148 right now, 1,718 yards, and 23 pass touchdowns. So he's, he's been on a roll right now, obviously looking really good. For Alabama and the Crimson Tide here, and and he's easily moved up as number one for me. Next up is Justin Fields from Ohio State. I know, again, a lot of people might jump on me and call me a homer, but dude has been phenomenal. Freshman, redshirt freshman quarterback. 81 of 116, 1,092 yards, and 16 touchdowns. But, oh my goodness, sorry guys, I got so excited I, I smacked the mic. But what he has done rushing-wise is what really kind of boost him up and has moved him up over Trevor Lawrence for me as well. So, so far this season, 46 rushing attempts, 222 yards, and 7 touchdowns. I mean, it, it, he's been extremely good, consistent. Again, they haven't really played tough competition. Uh, they will have a decent—no, well, I, I can't go back on that. I said that they were probably going to win fairly easily— Not really a great test this week either, uh, but I I still got Fields up there. Number three for me is is Joe Burrow. I I have to put him up there, man. He has just been phenomenal for LSU, and again, I think he's moved up probably for me, as the number three guy in this draft class, I would still put Herbert and Tua, or I should Tua then Herbert as the one and two. And then I think Burrow has really kind of moved up there as a the number three. Some people would argue Hertz from obviously still up there as well, uh, but he has gotten a hundred, a hundred of 124. So just think about that alone. He's only had 24 incomplete passes. It's ridiculous. 1500 yards, 17 touchdowns and two Interceptions. Dude's been a beast. After that, I've got Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. His run here with um, Lincoln Riley's is likely pot, could win him a Heisman and, and could give Lincoln Riley a third Heisman in a row with with quarterbacks here. 66-85, 12 passing touchdowns, one interception, 1,200 yards. And then, of course, you obviously have to add in all the rushing yards with him as well because he has been just amazing with that. We saw it at Alabama. Lincoln Riley is having him do that at Oklahoma as well. So as his rushing stats right now, you're looking at he's got 443 yards rushing, five touchdowns on 47 attempts. He's actually up there as one of the leading rushers. I believe he he's like out just outside the top 10, and, and, and now I think he's actually in the top 10. I'll, I'll double check that when we get to the. When we start talking about our our, uh, our running backs here, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to wait. We're gonna we're gonna look it up right now because I know he's up there in in rushing yards as well, which is just insane to think that a quarterback is is up there with as uh, talented as this running back group is, in my opinion. So let's see, Oklahoma. So he's number 23. Okay, so he's farther down than I thought, but still number 23 in the country in rushing yards as well. It's just, it's ridiculous. So he's, he's up there for me at number four. Number five, I have Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, I I didn't want to drop him that far because again, I don't think he's playing as bad as other people, but he's, I mean, if I think it's fair to say, we're all being honest here. He has not looked great this season compared to, what we thought and kind of expected out of him. We we really thought that he was going to be one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best. A lot of people compared him to the best saying he was the best quarterback prospect they have ever seen. So for Lawrence, you're looking at right now 84, 136, 1,100 yards, 8 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. So that's kind of why he he's dropped a little bit for me, just really not, not showing you, not showing you a lot right now. After him, I've got my guy Justin Herbert. Love that kid. 96-129, 1,100 yards, 14 touchdowns, zero interceptions. I do love the fact that he has zero interceptions. After him, you got the Texas boys, Sam Ellinger. He has had a really good season as well. 102 of 140, 15 touchdowns, one interception, 1,200 yards. Great game against LSU defense, uh, and again, a really good game against Oklahoma State. Interested to see what he does in two weeks against Oklahoma. Should be a really good game. After him, at number eight, I have Jake Fromm from Georgia Again, I talked about it a little bit earlier in the, in the offseason and possibly even on that first episode uh, that I did to the college football. I, I am a little worried about Fromm because I feel like he plays it really safe when he's out there. That being said, he showed me a lot in that Notre Dame game. His win, I thought, well, was really good. I thought felt like he... he He made the throws when he needed to, and I feel like that's kind of all you need to do. If you can go out there and do that, then you're proving that you can be a viable quarterback at this level and at the next level. So I liked what I saw out of him. Let's get his stats going here. 788 yards, 6 touchdowns, 0 interceptions. So a fairly good year. I mean, not bad, not great. Obviously, you'd like to see him get over a 1,000 yards already, but they don't throw the balls. It actually kind of makes sense when you got a guy like DeAndre Swift in your backfield who is just freaking ridiculous. All right, so at number nine, we have Nate Stanley. Again, I've, I've been tooting this guy's horn for a while now. I've been talking about how I thought due to his growth, he was going to help lead Iowa to a win in the Big Ten West over Wisconsin. Might be wrong about that one. I did not expect Wisconsin to look as good as they have, but that being said, I mean, we can't. I can't go back on it now. I can't change that. I can't change my prediction and say, well, 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 Wisconsin's going to win. No, I said Iowa. Got to stick with Iowa. So let's see here. What has Nate Stanley done so far this season? He is. Uh, he's thrown for 965 yards on 76 of 118 and eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. So, again, not great. Uh, they're, they, I mean, they really are not that big of an offensive team either, but I like what I've seen out of Stanley. And then last but not least, Jacob Eason out of Washington. We talked about him earlier, was a guy that was at Georgia left because from getting this starting job there, just like Justin Fields did. Uh, and he has really kind of shown up here in Washington. Also really kind of hated the loss that they had it was a weird game, man. They had a, it was like a two hour rain out against UCLA. It, it was weird, but they ended up losing it. Uh, 103 of 145, 10 touchdowns, 2 interceptions for 1,200 yards. So he, he's been good as well. A, guy, a couple of guys that were right there on the outside for me, Jordan Love out of Utah State. I had him in my top 10 quarterback article. I love this kid. I think he has a chance to be something special at the next level. Not quite as good a start to this year as we had last year. 105 for 162, 6 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 1,200 yards, but his rushing ability as well is, is really kind of what helps him out. Uh, he's a guy that's kind of right there on the edge of that, that top 10 for me. Would like to see a little bit more out of him. Uh, Brock Purdy out of Ohio State's another guy as well. Uh, that, that That's close, but, but not quite there just yet. So let's go ahead and jump into now my top 10 running backs. I mean, this is kind of obvious, at least for me. Number one's got to be Jonathan Taylor for what he's done so far this season. 84 attempts for 559 yards and eight touchdowns. Just completely destroyed Michigan and thus in just the first half as well, guys. Here, like he actually got hurt and came out of that game. I believe it was like in the beginning of the third quarter, maybe even the end of the second. So he he did not play the full game. Went off for I think it was almost 200 yards on him was just ridiculous. So he is my number one. Followed very closely though by DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. I know he hasn't put up prolific numbers yet, 388 yards and three touchdowns on 49 attempts, but he does everything, guys, and I mean, if you just go and watch his game film, you can see why. He's still the running back 1-1 for me. I just have him dropped right now based on performance by Taylor, but if I had to pick, if we were going into a rookie draft and it was like you got to take Taylor or Swift at the one one, I'm still taking Swift all day long. Now, just has not had quite the quite the start to the season we all hope, but it's also kind of a good thing. I feel like they've laid off him a little bit, not made him carry every single ball, which is good, good for him and good for his legs. Uh, number three, I have still Travis Etienne from Clemson. 462 yards, five touchdowns on 67 rushes. Obviously had that huge week one kind of slowed down a little bit, a lot like that entire Clemson offense. So I'm not reading too much into that. Would still like to see him get a little bit uh, more involved in the passing game. Is that something he talked about in the offseason? He was not a uh, not not very high on. So we're we're hitting a little about 30 minutes right now. So I'm going to try and wrap this up a little bit quickly as I do have a guest joining me here in a minute. We're going to do some NFL talk. So let's let's kind of power through these guys real quick. After him, I have Chuba Hubbard, the number one running back in the nation right now for rushing yards, 938, and it's not even close to the guy behind him. 10 touchdowns on 128 rushes. Phenomenal. If you like Justice Hill, you're going to like this kid even more. He is a better version of Justice Hill, better runner, better receiver, better everything. You know, you if you guys know Ray... Ray Garvin, I've talked about him many times. follow him at ray g q on Twitter. He talked about Hubbard a long time ago he He's the truth. Hubbard is going to be phenomenal running back in the n f l after him i have j k dobbins, who is number two in the nation with rushing right now six hundred and fifty four yards on five touchdowns um and on 92 rushes, Dobbins has looked amazing. Looks right back to that freshman we saw uh, last or two years ago. I feel, uh, as I've said before, I think the the Mike Weber split really kind of hurt him last year. He has definitely shown up and balled out this season. For me at number, let's see here. What do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, number seven, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. I like Kylan Hill. He was a guy who just missed making my top 10 in the preseason of the, of my thing, but I had him on there. 596 yards, five touchdowns for 108 attempts. Kid, it looks really good. A guy you could possibly get in the second or third round of dynasty drafts this year, even, even with the way he's climbing. Not a lot of people talking about him. I really like this kid at number eight. Um, oh, I'm sorry. He was number six, actually, at number seven is uh, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. Uh, So if you guys know Garrett Price or you follow him on Twitter, you've seen him talking up this guy. Senior, older, running back, but still is is doing a good job producing even against good teams. 398 yards, four touchdowns on 69 attempts. I like Vaughn. Another guy like Hill who's likely going to fall into the second, maybe even third round of your dynasty draft. So a guy to watch out for. At number eight, I have A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. Not a lot of people high on this kid. Uh, He's looked good so far this year I'm not really that high on him or in all honesty the guy I have after him uh, but they've they've shown out so far this season so they have to be up here in my top 10 627 rushing yards 6 touchdowns on 122 attempts followed closely by Cam Akers of Florida State 582 yards, seven touchdowns on 115 rushes. Again, I'm not high on either one of these guys. For me, they're both more of like a first and second down backs. They don't do much in the receiving game, and I need to see more of that. I'm just not that sold on either one of these guys. Uh, and then last, Eno Benjamin of Arizona State, the fighting Herm Edwards. A little bit of a slow start this year, kind of surprising, which is also might be a good thing because there was a lot of talk that they were going to run him till the wheels came off, and they have kind of backed off on that, which is good for him moving forward. 392 yards, six touchdowns on 106 rushes. So that's my top 10 right there. A couple guys that are very close, uh, but I mean, there's no one that was really in the argument for me, at least, uh, in being up there outside of those 10. Let's jump in now and talk about my top 10 wide receivers, and we're just going to get right. Right into it as I said, I'm trying to, to wrap this up because my guest is almost ready to go. Number one, Ron Dale Moore. I know if you were to go and look at his stats right now, you'd be like, Really, Matt? He's not like his stats are not showing me that he's that good of a wide receiver. Just go watch this kid, he is phenomenal. He is the best player every minute he is on that field. I don't care who else is out there. You can put Purdue versus Alabama, and Rondale Moore is going to be the best. Player on that field. His speed is unmatched. His skill set is ridiculous for a guy that small. My top five wide receiver article just came out today. Check it out. I have a couple clips on there of Rondell Moore of what he. how he embarrassed Ohio State last year. Granted, their defense was still bad, but what he did was just phenomenal for a guy his size. Again, speed kills at the NFL level. You'll have another guy that's on this list too that I'm going to say the same thing about. I'm not sure who's going to be faster, but Rondell Moore is an all-around freak of an athlete and can do everything. 387 receiving yards, two touchdowns um, uh, on uh, 29 catches so far this season. Again, that's not even talking about what he's done rushing-wise. So if you add in his rushing stats, he's sitting at 213 yards rushing as well with two touchdowns. I'm sorry. No, I'm looking at the wrong thing, guys. I apologize. I pulled out the wrong stats. He's only got three yards rushing. So they've actually kind of backed off him a little bit rushing this year, which is a little bit surprising. But that's all right because we all know he can do it and he is a stud. Let's keep moving on, though. I can't talk all day about Ron. I mean, I could talk all day about Rondell Moore if we're being honest. But we do have other players to talk about. Number two for me is Jerry Judy. No surprise. Kid's phenomenal. Alabama. I'd put out a little tweet about him and Devonta Smith. Obviously, Smith getting a lot of love for me and a guy like uh, Ray has really been propping him up here on Twitter. uh, And he will be up there as well. Jerry Judy, 488 yards, six touchdowns on 38 catches so far this season. Looked really good. At number three, you have Jamar Chase from LSU. Dude has been phenomenal. Three hundred ninety-seven yards, five touchdowns on twenty catches. Again, all I mean this having Joe Burrow there helps. It, it would. It's amazing to think what Odell and Landry would have been like had they had a, a quarterback like Joe Burrow there because Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson, who also is in my in my top 10 here, both are, are kind of getting spoiled with great quarterback play and, and their skill set works well with Burrow and they are balling out. Next up, number four, I have Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. He's le- top three in receiving yards in the NCAA right now. 618 yards and six touchdowns on 28 receptions. So he's just balling out so far this season. And, and good for him. He he deserves a lot of credit. Right behind him, I have Jerry Judy's teammate, Devonta Smith, that we were just talking about. 537 receiving yards, eight touchdowns on 31 catches. He's looked phenomenal, has a better dominator rating than Jerry Judy, as I put out on on Twitter the other day. He has just been he he's been legit. And I don't think you can take anything away from him. I know he's got Jerry Judy, and then obviously um my goodness, Henry Ruggs right next to him as well. So maybe that that you know does give him the the third best option if you want to say or, or the third best cornerback matchup. But still, what he's been doing is phenomenal. Right after him, I have Henry Ruggs, three hundred and sixty one yards, four touchdowns on seventeen catches. And the same thing with Rondell Moore. Speed kills. This kid is phenomenally fast. They, there was a video put out the other day that he ran twenty four miles an hour. For those of you who saw the Next Gen stats or watched the Monday Night Football game a couple weeks ago with Odell against the Jets, and he ran twenty one miles an hour, and everybody was talking about how fast that was. Henry Ruggs ran 24. So Henry Ruggs has got speed for days. Phenomenal wide receiver. A top pick in dynasty leagues this coming year. He he's gonna be great. Uh like I said, I think feel like maybe if he was on a different offense and he was the number one, he'd be putting up better stats. But when you're sharing the field with Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith, your 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 targets are gonna be limited. Let's see here. After him, I have C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. A little bit of a slower year. I think some of that comes down to Jalen Hurts not throwing the ball as much as we've seen Kyler Murray and Baker do in the past couple years. 414 yards on six touchdowns and 16 catches. Lamb is is just, I I think, an all-around really good wide receiver. Has has some decent speed as well, and I think he'll he'll be – Ah, man, I think he's probably in this class right around the third or fourth best wide receiver prospect. It's gonna be hard for me to rank right now. I want to see more of it again. I feel really feel like this offensive game plan and uh, Jalen Hurts is hurting him a little bit. After him, I have Justin Jefferson, who I already I was talking about earlier with LSU, 392 yards, five touchdowns on 24 catches. Dude has just looked phenomenal. Really kind of propping himself up uh, as a top wide receiver prospect. Of, uh, after him, at number what are we at nine? Here is Michael Pittman from USC. So he's obviously had a couple big games here as of late. Really kind of boosted him up. Uh, senior wide receiver, and I feel like he's really moving himself up this draft board as well. He he's can come out. Uh, he has. Oh, I shouldn't say he has to. He could probably do a fifth-year graduate thing or whatever, but he's likely going to come out this year. Uh, and with his play so far, he, hes moving up. He's moving up boards. I don't know if he's really moved into the second-round territory yet for dynasty leagues, but I think he's getting close. Five hundred and one yards on f- and four touchdowns on thirty-five catches. And then my last guy, T. Higgins from Clemson. Just phenomenal kid, great wide receiver, big bodied wide receiver, 505 yards and three touchdowns on 22 catches. So those are my top tens for those three categories. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more college football again here later. Gonna try and get some guys on here as well to join me possibly for the Wednesday episodes. Uh, once we start getting closer to the playoffs to break down these players more and playoffs and everything. But with all that being said, let's bring in my buddy Tom Moss and we're gonna talk about some pretenders and contenders in the NFL, and then lastly, we will preview the Thursday night football game. All right. Well, unfortunately, my friend Ty was not able to join me tonight. We, we were trying to get together, but uh, some, uh, some stuff for him fell through and he wasn't going to be able to join me. So, just going to go ahead and do the Thursday night preview myself, as you guys just heard the preview music there. So, we've got the Los Angeles Rams, Los Angeles. what the hell was that, Matt? The Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks should be another good game tonight on Thursday. We obviously had a good one between the Eagles and the Packers last week. Rams 3-1, Seahawks 3-1, fighting to really hopefully be right there at the top of this division depending on how the 49ers-Browns game goes on Monday night. So the Rams offense right now, 22nd in rushing and 4th in passing. Do you trust starting Jared Goff? For me, I'm a little worried about starting him. I'm not going to lie. So obviously they're playing at Seattle. Jared Goff tends to struggle on the road. Obviously had a historic performance last week throwing for over 500 yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which defense is not even as good. As Seattle, yet they still came up with the loss. The turnovers are killing Goff here. I've got him outside the top 12. I have him uh, at 18 right now, actually, is where I would rank him on the quarterbacks in the matchups this week. So obviously, chances are you've got someone better. If you don't, I still think he's going to put up a decent amount of points. QB, one of the deepest positions in fantasy this year. Um, You know, for me, let's see, Seattle's defense against the pass is currently ranked 8th. So, I mean, that does not, that's just even more does not give me more confidence in golf this week. Uh, their their uh, rush defense here is is right around the same. I mean, they're really good against the, the pass and the run, which is, is actually kind of surprising when you really think about it, just because of the, uh, their defense really hasn't put up a lot of points for fantasy when you look at it. And as I was saying, I mean, they're sixth in rush. So, I mean, this is this is not going to be an easy game, I think, for the Rams here. You know, we've seen Todd Gurley struggling a little bit. But he, he's got to be in there. I, I really think that he's going to be fine. We saw him produce a little bit better last week, at least in the, in the receiving game, which is where we want to see him. If you were someone who owns Todd Gurley in Dynasty or in Redraft, what we saw out of him in the receiving game the past couple years is really kind of what's bolstered his numbers and really kind of made him that top running back. We saw a little bit more of that last week. I would imagine that's going to continue some, especially with the pass rush that's going to come at Jared Goff. Some dump-offs to Gurley to try and offset that is really going to help him out, so I'm really fine with Gurley this week. For the wide receivers, I feel like I've talked about this a bunch of times. That you, you, if you have Woods, Cups and Cooks, you're starting all three of them. You likely don't have a, a flex option or wide receiver two better than those three. We know at least two of them are going to go off last week again. All three of them had good games. Again, Jared Goff threw for 500 yards. That's likely not going to happen again at all this season. Maybe not even for the next couple seasons. That's a a rare accomplishment, uh, to to be honest here. So I still think all three of them. You just don't know who's going to have a good game. If I had to pick, it's going to probably be Cook. Cup and Woods. I'm, I'm sorry, Cup and Co- Cooks. My God, I can't speak, guys. I was going to say Cup and Cooper, who's the same person. Uh well, We've seen that Cooper Cup has that relationship with Jared Goff. He, he's by far their best receiver so far for fantasy and NFL-wise. Uh, and, and then Brandon Cooks, I think, is just a better, he, he's more talented than Robert Woods. Not that Robert Woods is a bad wide receiver. I think he's just a step below Cooks. Uh But with what we've seen so far, I really feel like Cup, Cup has been the one who's hurt Woods since he's come back more. We, we've we seen uh, Woods' targets go down a little bit more than Cooks and everything. So if I had to take a guess, I would say it's going to be Cooks and Cup. But I am someone who owns Robert Woods on a couple teams. I'm starting him in my flex spot because, again, all you need is a game like last week when he gets you 30-plus fantasy points just based on catches and yards. And that could happen any game with him because he's just that talented. So, again, for, for me on the, on the Rams side, if you can, I'm sitting Goff. Throwing in, obviously, Woods, Cup, and Cooks. That, that, I mean, you, you've got to throw them in there. And Gurley is fine, too. The big question, I think, with me for them, too, is Everett. Gerald Everett is at touchdowns in a couple games here. He's already starting to look good. We've not really ever seen the tight end get involved here in this offense. Can you start him? For me, no. I would not feel comfortable doing it. If you want to throw a dart throw out there, there's a chance that he's going to get you some points. But with possibly the linebackers, or, you know, different cornerbacks coming down and covering him. I'm, I don't feel good about it. So this week I would avoid him. I still think he might have some future play, with, with, especially with the way that we've seen him get used in this offense. But for me, oh, goodness, I just smacked my mic again. I'm really getting bad at that, guys. Uh, but for me, Cooks, er, I'm, I'm sorry. Everett is a sit this week, and we'll, we'll we'll discuss him again moving forward. For me, I'm not playing him this week against the Seahawks. So watch me be dead wrong on that. On the Seahawks side, the offense 16th in rushing and 11th in passing, so they're sitting right in the middle of the pack for both. Rams rush off, rush defense is ranked ninth right now in the league, which is you know pretty good. Again, top 10 that's actually fairly good when you go down and look at it. But their pass defense 15th. I think that's good news for Tyler Lockett. We we've seen that he's a start every week, but I also think that's a good top good start for DK Metcalf. We saw him struggle last week. Metcalf, throw him in your lineups in the flex spot. I think he's gonna get you a touchdown this week, maybe even two, but I think Metcalf is a good play along with Lockett. You're starting Chris Carson, I know that I just said their defense against the run is in the top 10. Chris Carson's going to get the ball. Uh, We haven't seen for sure at the time of this recording, which I'm recording this Wednesday night, we have not seen for sure if Rashad Penny is going to be in or out yet. Uh, Even if he is in, I am fine starting Chris Carson. I think he's going to be fine. He's he's the workhorse. Pete Carroll loves him. He trusts him. As long as he doesn't fumble the ball, he's going to get you some work. He's going to get you some catches. He's a safe play at the RB2 spot this week. Um you know I don't imagine he gets an RB1 spot but RB2 is 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 really all you need out of Chris Carson. I do apologize <laughs> my my emails keep going off here you guys get my friendly little chimes there. Hopefully you're enjoying them as much as I am not at the moment. Last but not least for them, Russell Wilson. I mean, he's in your lineup just like Chris Carson. There's no point in sitting him. I have him as a, a top seven play this week. I think Carson's going to – or Wilson's going to be fine. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game as in like a 34-31 to 31 game, but I could see it being 28-21, something like that. Uh, and so I think Wilson's going to have to put up some points. He'll get you some rushing yards as well. I don't think that's all going to go to Carson. I think Wilson is having a good game here, and he'll be good to go. Time to pick them, and I am going to take the Rams. I I feel like they're going to have a bounce-back game here. While I do like the Seattle Seahawks, I think the Rams all together are, are the better team, so I'm going to take them to win this football game. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to this college football preview uh, stuff and, and the Thursday night football preview. Uh, I really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow with Mr. Matthew Fox and Mr. Tony Dwyer joining me, the usual Thursday crew. We'll do some bold predictions, among other things we have going on on that episode. Some maybe uh, by hell, sellers by hells. Oh, my gosh, guys, it's, it's one of those days one of those days where I just can't talk. Maybe instead of that, we'll do some contenders or pretenders or, or players that uh, we think are going to stay or slide, go over some of the top players in the league right now fantasy-wise because it's been a crazy year for fantasy. A lot of guys up there, I don't think anybody was expecting to be up there, and yet they are. So we'll we'll see how that works out, how we feel that will work out moving forward as we are at the quarter poll of the NFL season. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys have time, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps me out, helps the podcast out and it's a big deal. The more and more we get, the better things come for us and when that happens for us, the more we can give to you guys as well our listeners, loyal listeners that we really uh, appreciate. Uh, everything that you guys do for us. If you guys have any questions, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Sports Fanatic MB, Dynasty Devy, Redraft, whatever you want. I'd be more than willing to work with you guys, talk to you through DMs or, or anything you guys want to, uh, tag me in. I would more than happy to help you guys with anything that you guys need. So have yourselves a great Thursday, a great Thursday night watching the game, and we will, t- we will talk again soon, guys. Have a good one. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump in the lead. Golly. Oh, they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> I can.